Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Buey, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering, what a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Okay, well, today we are here, and this is Sandra, who is the owner of Pursuit Concierge in Seattle, and she has helped me. Uh, I mean, I, I really cannot even tell you how much. I mean, I owe her a debt of gratitude for everything she has done and everything she has taught me about delegation. And so today we are going to talk about delegation with Sandra, because I think in the last time we were talking, it made me realize how important delegation is for everyone. I mean, for a mom, for a lawyer, and for an entrepreneur. So I wanted us to get some real life on the ground information from Sandra about how to delegate, how to learn to delegate, what to delegate, and how you can benefit from delegation. So Sandra, Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be the owner of Pursuit Concierge. So yeah, Pursuit Concierge was founded in the spring of 2014 when I was at the ripe age of, well, I'm trying to remember now, 24, 25, young. And I I moved to Seattle with the intention of becoming a real estate agent and ended up getting my license and was supplementing my income uh, working with an all custom event designer. And so I was in the bridal industry and the real estate industry. And I was noticing that my clients, which were young, motivated adults, they were doing everything they could to just check the major items off their list. In both of those industries where your wedding and buying a home are like monumental landmarks in your life, Hopefully you won't, you only get married once, but as you know, that's not always the case. Uh, and you know, maybe you only buy one home, but maybe you buy a few along the way, but they're huge moments in your young adult life. And my clients did not have the time to meet with us. And I became really concerned because if you become too busy for the things that you see as really important to you, where's the room for the things that kind of pop up by surprise, right? And I was just really concerned that there wasn't a lot of room in our modern lives for spontaneity, for saying yes to really amazing opportunities because our lives are just so full. And when I was inquiring with them about what was consuming their energy, some of it was reasonable. They had demanding jobs and they had relationships they wanted to cultivate. But so much of what was bogging them down, especially on weekends, especially after work, was just stuff that had to get done, but not necessarily by them. It was running errands or doing research or, you know, just just trying to keep up with the daily to-do list. And when I realized that I wasn't really interested in being a real estate agent and I wasn't really interested in being in the event industry anymore, what I realized I loved doing was making stuff happen, just checking things off the list. And a lot of people feel that they there's this limiting belief that people aren't worthy of the help that they deserve. And especially in the realm of personal assistance, um, which is essentially the service that my, my business offers, you know, people feel like they need to be generating an income high enough or be high enough in their businesses to be 
worthy of being able to accept help. And I wanted to find a way to help the average dual income household to just offload the things that stand in their way so that they can show up for the things that are important to them or show up in the relationships that matter to them. And so I ended up starting Pursuit Concierge, which originally was intended to help people protect their, their homes. And you know, if you're going from having a landlord and you don't know how to actually fix the garbage disposal, you're used to just making one quick phone call. It started with that, but then as I started to get clients, people started to ask more and more, like, can you help with this? Can you help with that? And what I realized that was that Pursuit was a resource that could help you with anything that's safe, legal, and ethical. Those are our parameters. And as the years have gone on, I've realized that in the world of delegation, it's something that we all know we need to be doing more of. But ultimately, we're not taught how. It's not really brought up in our education, even if you're in a team project, usually there's the type A people that rise to the top and then everyone else just kind of floats by. But we're not really taught how to manage the distribution of tasks. And that's where I find myself now is as much as we're taking things on, I also try to find ways to teach people how to identify what can they be letting go of. Um, so that's a little bit about the, the background and where I come from. Um, and how do you go about that teaching? Like when you're trying to help somebody figure out what can they let go of? Because I know I get asked that all the time by people on my team because yeah. I'm a huge proponent of delegation and I'm always encouraging them to delegate and they'll specifically say, well, what are we talking about? So I'd love to know what do you, how do you do that and how do you teach that? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I find totally amazing is that often when we look at like, oh, I'm totally overwhelmed. I could really use a hand right now. We look at our list and go, what can I delegate to someone? And that's a very reasonable approach. But what I found is that often there can be some weird limiting barriers that come into mind when you look at that. So what I have found is actually super effective is flipping your perspective on your to-do list and looking at what requires my direct attention. What requires me? What requires my time, my specific expertise? What brings me joy? and really being specific about the things that need you and no one else. And so if right. you go through your list and mark what requires me, everything else that's left unmarked technically is something that someone else can be doing for you. Right. That's so interesting you say that because I say all the time, if it doesn't require my law degree and it doesn't bring me joy, I'm not doing it. Somebody yeah. It's going to do it. And so, and I try to help my lawyers think like that. Like if it's not, if your law degree is not critical to this task, yeah. don't do it. I mean, somebody else needs to be doing it. Totally. And so it, I think that's such a smart idea though, to flip that mm -hmm. because I think you're so right about limiting beliefs. And when you mention worthiness about worthiness of delegating, I think that is the linchpin of this whole thing because I know as a mom when I you know had young children at home and there was times I was working and there was times I was staying at home not working I felt so guilty delegating anything because I would say to myself well you're not bringing in a certain level of income so why do you think you deserve help I mean I literally would have these whole conversations in my head about 
I shouldn't have help. I should be able to do it all. And it's kind of insane that we, you know, do that because obviously, I mean, I know as a lot of women on this who listen to this podcast are moms. I mean, raising children often is a full-time job in and of itself. I mean, let's be serious. It is very demanding. And you add on a lawyer on top of that, you're trying to practice law. That is a very demanding profession. And then also in this group are entrepreneurs. So they're owning their own law firms. Most of us don't know anything about running a business. So we're learning how to be a business person, practicing law and trying not to kill our children all in the process. And we think we can't delegate. Right. And I just, I have found your business to personally, I mean, you have opened up the world to me. I mean, and I know, like I tell people all the time, I mean, you poor thing, you get like tagged all over Facebook because I'm like, well, Sandra did that. It's Sandra. And people are like, oh my gosh, of course she did. <laughs> it's great. When I think back, I'm like, why do women have this specific barrier of guilt? I really think it goes back before most of us were born. And I think, I think it really goes back to what happened in the 1940s during the Second World War when women were called into the workforce to, yep. it, was a, it was an act of patriotism. And uh, it was an incredible opportunity for women to start finding their own financial prosperity and independence. And it was what our country needed to come together. But then once the war was over, some women were stuffed back into their homes. Some wanted to be there and, and some very much missed being able to go to work. But in that period after the 40s, what we started to see was that women were still left with the responsibility of being an incredible mother and being a breadwinner for the family. And the story has been told all along that women should be able to just do all these things. And what's happened alongside that, especially with modern technologies, is we've actually seen our communities start to wither away a little bit. And I, as much as I'm grateful for the business opportunity that my industry is growing, I really do see it as a symptom of dying communities. I think that women find themselves increasingly isolated in all of their responsibilities because we don't just have the structure of our neighborhoods and our communities to help carry the weight. And as animals, we have evolved to require on the interconnectedness of other players in our community. And now with smartphones in our pockets, even if we try to take a moment to step away from work, it's really challenging to set those boundaries of saying, no, I'm mom now, I'm not CEO, right? Like I have to allocate this time for all of these different aspects of my life. And so, yeah, as happy as I am that my business is growing, that my industry becomes more and more known, I actually see delegation as a way to rebuild our communities. I see it as a way for us to come together because the reality is so many of us feel isolated in our in our challenges and in our overwhelm, uh, but we're all kind of floating around with that same feeling of isolation that if we can learn how to communicate better of like, hey, I'm feeling like I'm caring too much. I really wanna share this workload with you. We know that working together collaboratively on things brings us joy, brings us fulfillment, and it brings us together. There's nothing, having a win on your own is awesome, but we all know it feels so much better when it's done with other people. Absolutely. And so that's where I see delegation coming in is rebuilding communities by saying, hey, I know that this is not my strength, but this is something that sets your soul on fire. 
let me bring you in on this thing that actually feels like a burden for me so that you can feel purposeful in this work while also benefiting me, which when my energy is freed up, I now get to go and turn to support this person over here. Exactly. And it's this web of delegation that we need to rebuild. It's, I, I could not agree with you more. I mean, I think it is so true. And I know we see it in our own office where when I started using your services and delegating, I mean, I very much had to get over the idea that I was needing help with things. And I just was like, I need help. And it was interesting because I, I will never forget having this just aha moment one day where I was like, wait a minute, here I am delegating all these things to Sandra. And I mean, you know, it's so vast what you have been able to do. I mean, from the mundane to just managing my dry cleaning to we're going to New Zealand in a month. Can you plan a whole trip? Because God knows I don't have time to research this. But I would, I sat there and one day I just was struck by the fact that my intake person in my office was a single mom. She is the one who needed it. And then was like, wait a minute, why don't I offer delegation to others? Because they need to be able to delegate in the exact same way I do. And if they can feel supported by me offering this as a service to them to say, Sandra can help you with your tasks, then I feel like all of us can be more free to do the work that does bring us joy. And then when we are at home, we're not as guilty because it's like, oh, well, we got all this done. And I have found that it's been, I mean, hugely beneficial to offer delegation services to my team so that they can benefit. And I'm always struggling with getting them to do more. Like I'm like delegate more. I literally say that I'm like, don't forget about Sandra because I know they all are kind of thinking that same bad mind trash. Like, well, I shouldn't do this or, and I know they question and I'm like, you don't have a limit. Like we haven't gotten there yet where I'm, you know, stressed out about it. And so I love how you think of delegation though, as a web of building community, because I think we business owners need to think of that as well. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because we often do find that, that um, boundary of the cost of delegating feels like a, a limiting barrier, but the reality is our time is what the finite resource right. is. Exactly. And none of us really ever get to know how much time we have, you right. know, like, I mean, and we're faced with that even more in the midst of a pandemic, right? But time is our most valuable and most limited resource. But for some reason, we're willing to use that a little bit more willy-nilly, but be super conservative with money when money is actually the most renewable resource and we exactly. will never run out of it, right? right? And so you have to get over that hump. You also have to think about like, what is my time worth? Right. Um, and that is one of the reasons why working with attorneys is great for us because attorneys know what their time is worth. Right. I can guarantee you attorneys charge way more per hour than any personal concierge will or personal assistant will. And so financially, it really does make sense Absolutely. But even without that piece, I mean, when you're talking about pulling from a finite pool of time, I mean, every day, no matter how much clout you have, whether you're Michelle Obama or, you know, Oprah Winfrey or whoever else, like these women have as much time as we do every single day. But the reason they're able to accomplish so much 
is because they're leveraging the time and the skill sets of all the people that run behind them. Yep. And I wish that there was more visibility on how much people really do delegate. Yes. Because uh, we tend to still keep it a little bit secret. And right. it's actually something like we have a, a confidentiality agreement for our clients that we will not disclose who our members are unless we're booking something on their behalf. And I kind of wish I lifted that because there really is no shame in asking for help. No. And I mean, one of the things that I find really interesting is like how often, like we may have our own limiting beliefs around like, oh, like I really should be able to do this myself or, oh, like I'm feeling like so insecure asking for help in this regard. But when we see some badass boss that is delegating tasks like crazy, are we ever ashamed of them? Do we ever look down on them? No, we go, wow. What a powerful force that person is. Right. So how do we hold that same regard for ourselves when we hold that for other people? It's so true, though. I mean, it is. Well, and that's why I have kind of become, I mean, an evangelist around delegation. And I mean, sharing what you do. I mean, literally in every national group I'm a member of. And when I go to retreats, like because I want people to understand because people are often like, how in the world do you travel, run a business, have six kit? And I'm like, Sandra, of course. <laughs> and your whole team, like you're delegating the bulk of your billable hours to a team of attorneys and their paralegals. Right. And so that empowers you to go do all of these other things. And I mean, it's yeah, delegation is the only thing that has made it work. I mean, if I couldn't delegate, I couldn't be a quarter of where I am now. I mean, not even a quarter, not even an eight. I mean, I think of everything I delegate. And I mean, I come up every Sunday with this whole list of up. Oh, that's not a law degree in joyful things. So not for me. <laughs> yeah i you know i just i will one i really do appreciate how much you've helped get the word out about pursuit and it's been i mean it's an utter pleasure for us to be able to support you and your whole team and i mean it feels really great for us to be able to support people that we know are making such a positive impact in the lives of the people that you guys touch and that's where you know it really does come back to it there's altruism woven into delegation where it starts to break down where it stops being altruistic is when you are being demanding of people that aren't able to actually offer the support that you need. And so when you are delegating, you do need to make sure that you're asking the right people for help, right? Right. And what's really interesting is that in our culture, we have a tendency to overextend ourselves and people take on more than they can chew, which has broken down the trust for when people have asked for help. I come across people all the time that say, well, I would ask for help, but I don't want to be a burden to another person. Mm. And I don't want to feel like I'm dumping my stuff on them because I see how busy they already are. Mm -hmm. So what we really need to do culturally is heal around that communication. And so that if we ask for help from someone, that we're not demanding that help, that we're actually asking for consent to delegate to them. And we need to trust that that person will feel empowered to be like, I would love to help you, but unfortunately right now I'm at capacity. And I wanna just asterisk, capacity does not have to mean you're totally, totally full. It is okay 
to keep your capacity level below the full line, right? right? You need room to wiggle. Well, and I mean, you have taught me so much in this regard. I mean, my whole team knows we are closed every year for two weeks at Christmas and a week at 4th of July. And it is all because of you. And the fact that you set that example, and obviously now with our team growing to the degree it has, I mean, this has become a much more expensive thing that I do, you know, by closing it. I mean, it used to just be like three of us, four of us. Now it's 23 of us. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty big. But I also know that I've just built it into my budget and I've built it into our model so that it's there. And I find that it allows us to keep that capacity where we can say, no, we're off for these two weeks in drawing those boundaries. And I love watching you draw boundaries with me. Like if sometimes you're like, I'm sorry, Elise, I won't be able to do this. I'll, and I'm like, oh, I love that. We <laughs> know just like that's so awesome. I mean, I think as a young person, because I consider you a young person, you have managed to learn and exercise some real wisdom in life. And where did you get that? spirits? I'm not exactly sure. You know, I had one of those childhoods where I had adults telling me that they thought that I was more mature than most of my peers. And so I've always waited for that to catch up, you know, like, (laughs) um, but I do, you know, it is interesting because I, when I started pursuit, I actually thought I was going to be marketing to millennials. I thought I was going to be marketing to, to people my age. But what I found is actually my generation is still too young to appreciate the work that we offer uh, or that we offer. What I find is it's um, something happens when you're in your probably mid thirties and possibly pushing into forties where when you're young, and this is the experience that I'm having now, because I'm 32 You know, there's when you're in your 20s and your early 30s and your life is relatively simple, you really can manage everything. And maybe you have some weeks where you're starting to approach some burnout, but you've got the energy you've got. You know, you're you're not burnt out yet, but something starts to happen when you're in your 30s and your 40s where you go, you know what, what I'm doing right now is unsustainable. Right. And if I keep operating in this way. I'm gonna burn out or I'm gonna have to keep missing out on really meaningful opportunities, whether that's taking a trip to some cool place or having a side venture, you know, whatever, however those opportunities show up, when you are at full capacity and you are at full, then, you know, you're gonna have to say no to things. And so I see that something happens when, when people start to enter into their mid life where they go, well, I. I need to change something about the way that I'm operating. And one of the things that you can do is start to just offload tasks. And that's where we love to come in to just do the boring stuff. Often some of it is stupid simple and it's like booking appointments or gathering information about something so that you can make an educated decision about which contractor to use or whatever. You know, who wants to be calling the electrician on their lunch break when they're trying to just enjoy their lunch, right? Yeah. So, you know, we do see that that happens. I also am a really big uh, advocate for seeing what on your to-do list can you just like delete? Like, <laughs> look at, like if, you, if you just never did that thing, would it actually matter? Right. You know? And like, that is the first 
step is to look at that list and just like get rid of anything that doesn't actually matter, right? Yeah. And then if it does matter and you don't want to do it yourself, give it to someone else. Or if you don't know where the entry point is, that's a really good time to be collaborative with someone and be like, okay, I've got this daunting project. It feels like something that I need to be doing, at least in part. But could you maybe get the ball rolling by doing this initial research for me and right. you know, send what you have so that I can make the final decision and feel empowered in that? Oh, I mean, I feel like if I could have people live on my shoulder just for a month with how and watch what you're able to accomplish in things when I just have random ideas and I'm like, I want to investigate, you know, let's buy this gift for clients. And you know how that is. It's all these different little things, getting samples and going to all the different companies. I don't have time for that, but I really want to get the information and then I might hold it for a while and I might not act on it, but I have the information and then I can be thinking, okay, yeah, let's go back to this project or that. I mean, you were able to start the ball rolling on so many things, which I think from an entrepreneur standpoint is huge because I think so many of us entrepreneurs are quick starts and we are always have these ideas literally popping out. I know I do. I mean, I wake up, I mean, you know, you get all my crazy emails in the middle of the night where I wake up with all these random ideas. I'm like, oh, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. But being able to have somebody who collects collaborates with you on those. And then you ask such good questions all the time, which I find that is so helpful, really pulling out the meat of what is needed yeah. and getting to that. And that is such a helpful thing. I mean, it is, I can't even imagine my life without you all. That was one of Doug and I's biggest struggles when we were moving out here to the hood canal. I was like, I wonder what we're going to do about Sandra. <laughs> Yeah, well, so that's the beautiful thing is like, yeah, we used to offer more on-site support for you, but so much of what can be done can oh, be done virtually. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's really, it, it's amazing how much can be done just by shooting off a text message, right? And just be like, here's an idea. What are my options? Um, and I do, I really do commend you for, um, like, I think of you as a very strong delegator. And I would be curious to hear where you learned how to do that or like what were those initial challenges i mean have you ever dealt with the challenge of feeling like people weren't going to be able to do things as well as you like i'm curious to hear for you what hurdles you had to get over oh i think that was a huge hurdle was feeling like you know i have the information in my head and i think the other thing for me is i tend to be apparently i mean I don't know, you know, people tell me this and Doug tells me, so I trust Doug implicitly. He's like, you work at a warp speed. He's like, most people don't work at the speed you do. And so that's always been a struggle for me because I would give something and it seemed like it took so much longer than if I would just do it. And so, and one thing, I mean, with you and your team in particular, I mean, you all have been, I mean, Johnny on the spot. And if I say like, I need this by a certain time, I mean, you're excellent it being able to say absolutely or if you really can't being yeah. like no that time frame won't work but this would work you know and you yeah. just you're an excellent communicator which I think really helps the relationship and I think one thing for me was I mean I think having children I mean being honest with you because when you have as many children as we had and I mean they were just stair-step kids like I mean I had you know four kids six and under and that was tricky. I mean, you got to be delegating. Those little kids better be working yeah. or everything is going to fall apart. And so yeah. I would wake up every day and create these 
chore list for my children. And, and I mean, we, I even taught my older kids how to delegate to the younger kids because I would put like Katie would have the most chores and I would star them of which one she should give over to her siblings. But then I also gave over the, the management of that to her. So here's this little like six-year-old managing her two-year-old brother and picking up his toys. And it might sound so silly, but it helped her develop skills, you know, and now she's this like 25 year old type who's, you know, just she could run the world. I mean, you know, she's got amazing skills. And I think that we sometimes as parents, we forget about delegating to our children. And that, I mean, in the, the most just obvious example in our family, and I think it's the thing that was very important. All my kids swam competitively and I am like a freak about cleanliness. So there I am laundering all these towels and swimsuits daily. I mean, it was a mess. And I thought at one point I was like, well, this is silly. Like, obviously I can teach these kids how to operate a washer and a dryer. So it became a thing in our home that when you turn eight, I mean, I would give them a laundry basket. I would be like, okay, this is your big birthday. You get to do your laundry. I mean, so like I have not touched my three sons laundry since they were eight. I mean, and that, you know, is a big task that a lot of women talk about laundry. And I'm like, Mm, they'll be uh, this girl does no laundry (laughs) laundry dishes house cleaning you know I'm like um yeah yeah, that's not on my task list and so and it sounds again silly but I mean these children have learned to do this do their laundry it empowers them they have to manage their time I can't tell you how many times I've awakened at 7 a.m and there's some kid running their laundry because they need to do it before they go to school and I'm like you know all good lessons to learn And it makes such a difference. And when they're going off to college, you know what I mean? They're all used to just taking care of that. And that's one part of taking care of them. But I mean, same with lunches. I mean, when they were in kindergarten, I was like, I don't need to make your lunch. Like you can make your lunch. And I would put things in different bins in the refrigerator and they would know how to pick things from each bin. So there'd be fruit, you know, protein. And, but it was something that they could do. Yep. And I'm kind of that mom, I feel like my role is to make them independent, you know? So I think I probably, I don't know. So I think I came upon delegating through parenting. Well, and you know, so I love that you do that because this is one of the things that I encourage people to think about of like, who are the people that are already around you that you can lean on? And the number one person we delegate to the most is our partner in life, right? Right. Honey, could you, you know? (laughs) Have you done the, uh, you know, and that could be planning a vacation that could be screwing in the new light bulb, you know, like all the things. And it goes directly to the partner. We do that to each other all the time without recognizing it. And this is one of the things that I've come to realize. We all delegate on a regular basis. We just don't call it delegation. Right. So anytime you buy something, pay for a service, buy a product, to some degree, you have delegated something. Even if you go to your local coffee shop, you have delegated the act of making coffee. Absolutely. Right? So anytime you're spending money, you are delegating something. You cannot do anything alone. And that's one of those hurdles that we need to get over is thinking that we are alone in our workload when like you can't get dressed in the morning without having to have relied on the people to make the textiles, sew them together, sell the thing, right? right? Like 
our entire economy is built on relying on other people to play their role. And that's a really macro look at it. But then when you go down into the day-to-day, -day, yeah, asking your honey to plan the next vacation, or in your case, I love that you actually did see it as an opportunity to delegate to your children and give your children the opportunity to delegate further. I hope that at some point the youngest got to delegate to the eldest because that would just be like a really fun, realistic power dynamic Absolutely. in corporate America. <laughs> He's doing fine on his boat yeah. now. You know? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> He's that, delegating to dad to make dinner every night, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, like, I just, we need to look at who's already around us. And when you really start to look at that, you realize, holy crap, like, there's people all around me that are actually offering help. How often do people offer us help when we go, oh, no, no, it's okay. Right. It's like, ah, oh, like, how many opportunities are we missing regularly? Right. And it kind of hurts sometimes when you offer someone's help and they turn you down, right? Because you're offering a piece of yourself. Right. And I think about, you know, maybe we don't do dinner parties right now, but that's another ultimate act of delegation. Why don't you bring the appetizer and I'll make the entree and they bring the wine? Absolutely. Right? It's Absolutely. all built into our culture. We just need to recognize that. And so I love that you've totally applied that to your children. And I definitely encourage people to, to look at, yeah, how can you put the little ones to work, right? Oh I think it is, I mean, this is such a bigger parenting discussion, but I think it is so important for children to learn skills and to fail. I mean, I'm a huge believer in letting my children just fail and realizing that failure is such a part of future success, but also just a part of personal resilience, totally. like learning to fail and then kind of analyzing how did that happen? I mean, I've had, we did a major house painting adventure after Hurricane Katrina. So I took all four kids back to New Orleans for months and we decided we were going to repaint our entire house, just me and four little kids, like nine and under. And because we were going to sell the house. So there we are painting away. I mean, it was chaos. Like, I can't even tell you. We'd wake up every morning. We'd have our paint clothes on. We'd go to Walmart, figure out what room we were going to do. And the littlest kids primed all the walls. You know, we had this yeah. whole little protocol about yeah. what we were doing. Well, we had all these paint cans on the driveway. I mean, like 25 paint cans on this shelf. Well, my son knocked them all off. And I mean, like, all this paint on the driveway. And I was just like, I was like, well, Ian, I don't know what to tell you, but you're going to have to figure out how to clean that up. And so he's out there with the hose, you know, and he's getting it. Well, we didn't realize that all the paint then ended up in the neighbor's bushes and it killed all their azaleas. It was such a mess. But I mean, it was an amazing opportunity for me to understand that that was too much for him. Like, you yeah. know, I didn't think through the damage that the paint would do to yeah. the, the plant. And then it was both for both of us to go talk to the neighbors about how we just killed, you know, these 50 year old azaleas that you've been growing forever and they're now dead. And what can we do to fix that? And, yeah. you know, and just but, but I mean, that that happens. Totally. I mean. Failure happens. Totally. And so being able to learn from that, figure out what could we have done differently, you know, yes. and and so and I guess, you know, part of it is just being comfortable with failure. Totally. Because I do think sometimes that we just have to accept that and and be able to move on 
because I mean, things happen and they don't always work out perfectly. Well, yeah. And, you know, I actually find that one of the reasons a lot of people have removed the option of delegating professionally, like hiring an assistant or something like that is based off a couple of failed experiences with other assistants where they just, they, you know, I hear a lot like, ah, I tried, but they just like couldn't do it right. Or, you know, they, they didn't, you know, that it wasn't done the way that I wanted it, you know? And it's really interesting because a lot of those failures really do come down to just the communication around it, right? Absolutely. Setting expectations. It's so easy for people to fail you if you do not communicate what your expectations are. Right. A lot of times people go, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, book me a dinner reservation for four, but really in your mind, you have, you would like to eat at a Mediterranean restaurant and you'd like to have a view of the water. And to you, that seems obvious, but you haven't expressed that. And so you get a restaurant at a dim sum place and you're like, that is not what I want. You failed me. Right. And, and so it's really interesting because it takes delegation. It takes practice because you have to learn to first notice what are the thoughts that are coming up? Like, what do you actually want from this? Okay. Now let me verbalize the what, why, when, and how if, and I would say that the how is often the least relevant. And I think that that's actually where people get the most tangled up and think that, it's going to take forever to delegate because they think that they need to like really explain exactly how something should be done. Right. When really, if you're delegating to the right person and you're making it clear what you need by when and perhaps why, leave the how to that other person exactly. to figure out. Exactly. And if it's you do delegated. that, yeah. if you do that and then you still don't get the right result, you don't throw that person out. You don't right. just chuck them out the window and say, wow, you failed me. You are incapable. Unless, of course, there's like major red flags. Then I am a big fan of dump them, find someone new. But if it's a reasonable kind of misunderstanding, figure out what happened. Right. Where was the expectation not totally communicated? And then how do you refine it from there? Because it it's really challenging to get all of the thoughts that are circling around, but it is possible. And that's where I really do recommend just like really boiling it down to like, what are the most crucial aspects of this? And so if you had said to your son, I need you to clean this up, but without killing the neighbor's flowers, he might've been like, okay, exactly. what do I need to do? <laughs> Right. Exactly. Well, and it's interesting because that's been one of my things I'm working on with my team is how can I delegate in a way? Because sometimes I want to be more specific and other times I want to empower them to take initiative. And so we have a motto, I guess a motto is what you call it in our office, where I sometimes will tell them this is an empowerment delegation. And I'm like, if you do it with integrity, compassion, and excellence, you cannot go that wrong. Like yeah. it's going to be okay. Yeah. And if you're not operating in those three things, then maybe we are going to have a problem. But if you yeah. are operating truly from a place of integrity, compassion, and excellence, yeah. we'll yeah. deal with any problems later. And I will be a hundred percent happy with whatever you've done. Yeah. Like, even if yeah. it's not as I envisioned, because yeah. 
I want to encourage more, you know, where people can take initiative. Then in other areas, we do the who's going to do what by when, you know, and we have this whole little thing where it's more specific, where it's like, I need you to complete this task by this time. And I often throw in a why just because I feel like it helps people understand the basis of what they're doing. Yeah. But um, I think those things are critical in delegating and finding the right person. I mean, are there companies like yours all around the country? Like, do you all have an association? There are versions of what we do. Um, And a lot of times you might hear it more as like a VA, a virtual assistant. And I think that that's what's hard about my industry is that it's it's relatively new. So the concept of uh, having some kind of concierge or assistant is actually a little bit old, but the modern version is very new. And it's really only since the 1990s that we've really started to see the personal concierge. And, you know, and now in our freelance economy, we're seeing more and more virtual assistants. You know, there are some, I'm part of the Seattle Concierge Guild, but those are actually more hotel concierge. I'm the only personal concierge. And in Seattle, there are a few services that are similar to mine. I would say that a very, like one of the largest in the area, she and I actually have very, they're called Pepper's Personal Assistance. And we're actually very complimentary services because her company offers more of the in-home help, folding the laundry, doing meal prep, overseeing contractors, kind of, and I don't know if she would not like me saying this, but in my mind, I kind of think of it as more like a butler service, you but, know, <laughs> but it, it's a household manager and, and they're the ones just like making sure the show is running and that everything there, you know, someone's got the finger on the pulse and is there to serve mom and dad um, or husband, wife, whatever. Partner one and partner two. And so my industry is growing, but you're seeing it more in the format of a virtual assistant. And with virtual assistants, you are actually shopping on an international scale. Because it's virtual, you can hire people from anywhere. And that's where people start to really price compare and go, well, why would I pay this premium cost of someone in Seattle when I could maybe find someone in the Philippines to do this for a quarter of the price. And so where you have to be really careful with that is you want to think about the ethics around it and making sure that, you know, just because someone is charging significantly less over there, you want to make sure that they're still being paid what they're worth. Um, And in our case, you know, our value of being here in Seattle, although we have had clients all over the world, most of our clients are based here in Seattle because we've been able to establish relationships with local vendors and we really know the area. And so for our Seattle based members, knowing that we understand Seattle culture and Seattle nuances, and we can tell the difference between Marysville and Puyallup, you know, like it's helpful to have someone here. So I see my industry growing similar to how, like to what's happened with the house cleaning industry, where Mm -hmm. it used to be that you had to be so wealthy. If you wanted someone to clean your home, you had to be so wealthy to have a live in maid. You even had like servants quarters, right? Right. But then, and I should look into this, but I'm going to guess somewhere in the early ish 1900s, probably right around that world war two era, Some geniuses were like, why would I only clean one house when I could clean like 40, (laughs) right? right? And then people get to sign up for as much or as little as they need. 
right? And the gap that my business fills, so the, the way that our business model works is it is a monthly membership so that you get the peace of mind in knowing that you need support or that you have support when you need it, right? So for $60 a month, you know that you have coverage for 50 hours a week. Then from there, you pay for what you use. And I actually do have quite a few members that only pay for the monthly membership fee and rarely delegate anything to us because there is this massive just like relief in knowing that when it all starts to feel like too much, you know where you're going to turn. Because a lot of us, we don't know where to go when it starts to feel like too much. And that just compounds the stress of having too much. So then for, you know, so for the clients that do use us, we bill essentially in quarter hour increments or for the value of specific services. And all of that is just automatically charged on the first of every month. And for us, for me, it's been really, really important to make sure that we're able to serve people that that have considered themselves kind of out of the running for something like this, right? Um, when you're in a position to be able to support multiple incomes within your household, maybe you do get yourself a dedicated assistant and you can guarantee that person 20, 30, 40 hours a week. But a lot of people, they don't actually need that much help. Right. Or it's not that consistent. Maybe if you're a CPA, you have two times a year where you have this massive wave of work, but the rest of the year you've kind of got it handled. And so that's where we really love, that's the gap we love to fill is for people that know that they could use support or could benefit from knowing that support is there when they need it. And then they just use us as much or as little as they need. And so it's really beautiful to see the ways that we've been able to help people not only just manage their workload, but similar to what you were saying earlier, that sometimes you have an idea of something you want to do for someone else, but you need to know what your options are before you do it. We have a lot of people that bring us in to do nice things for other people. They have a friend who's overwhelmed that doesn't know how to accept help for themselves. So our client hires us to arrange the service for their friend, right? Or, you know, I really intend to send gifts to my friends on their birthdays, but I'm terrible at keeping track of this. Will you let, will you help me keep track of the birthdays? Will you a month out send some ideas of what they might like? I'll tell you what to order and then you can send it out with a handwritten note. Absolutely. Saved me doing that. I mean, it's beautiful the way people bring like, that's what's so amazing. It's like so often people feel like asking for help is like the selfish thing when it's really about not only doing nice things for other people, either us doing nice things for other people or freeing up your time and energy to then show up in other places. And I would imagine in your world, a lot of the people that you know, it's the relationships that take a lot of time a lot of energy and that is a very very difficult and perhaps inappropriate thing to delegate right whether that's you know growing your team or managing your client relationships you know that kind of one-to-one connection is really not something that you can easily delegate so why don't you concentrate on that relationship and then let all of the logistics be handled elsewhere one of the oh, worst I mean, things I is feeling rushed in your relationships and feeling like you don't have time to call your mom back or exactly. whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and yeah. just the idea of being able to, I mean, I know there's times that 
when I think of something, I would like to send a gift or a card or there's something just knowing that if I'm running somewhere and I know this idea is going to fall out of my head, but I really, I can just shoot it to you and know that it's got a placeholder now too. So I don't have to spend all this energy worried about it. And I know, okay, they're going to get it out or they're going to do this. And it's, oh my gosh, it's freed up so much time, but it allows me to be so much more generous with the things that are popping up in my head. You know, when I see an attorney in my office that's been working all weekend, I mean, I'm always like, oh, you know, Sandra, can you get some flowers out or can we get something out to this person? Whereas if I was actually calling the place, finding a place to deliver, you know, making sure I have the address, like might not do that generous thing because it would end up being a lot more burdensome and I would actually have to find, you know, a half an hour on my schedule to make all that happen. Well, and think of how many times we think of something that we'd even like to do for ourselves, but as simple as getting a massage, right? You're like, oh, I really want a massage. All right, now let me go into the workload of trying to book the massage, you know, or, you know, how often do you go like, wow, my husband and I, we would be so much more connected if we knew once a month we had either a date night or a weekend away together. And that's where we love, like, you know, people, when they think of delegating, they think of the things they don't want to do, but delegation is also very much there for the things you do want to do. And the ideas that get put on the back burner And it's also totally worth recognizing that the longer something is sitting in your brain as something you need to do, the more and more energy it ultimately takes to just knock it out, right? Like you start going through the cycles of like, why haven't I done this yet? Man, now my self-esteem is super low because I think of myself as a productive doer, but obviously I also procrastinate. Okay, I'm giving you a window into my own life experience here. But you know, like, at a certain point, you need to just give it a place to go totally, and just know that it's going to happen. And that's makes where finding the, the right people makes all the difference. And that could be your kids, right? And exactly. that can be maybe your husband, although we do really love to be that third point for couples so that you can stop kind of going back and forth of like, but I asked you to do this thing and you can come together as a team, send us a task. We give you the three handy men and their quotes to consider. Right. And then you get to come together as a partnership and say, who do we want to work with? What's the next step? And that's right. our goal in empowering couples is just saying like, you guys, you guys are a unit and we want you to come together. If you're noticing anything that's starting to just like scratch away, like let us know. We've helped you know clients find counselors for their relationships. Oh, yeah. You know, um, actually really interesting. We have a new client. The reason she just joined is um, she uh, had a bit of a nasty separation from her partner. There are custody issues. They have resolved most of those. They have a co-parenting plan, but there is still communication required between her and her partner. Mm -hmm. And she came to me saying, you know, I feel like I put so much time and energy into the way that I craft my emails to him but the emails I get back, they're fiery, they're nasty, they hurt. She goes, would it be possible? She goes, none of this is legal stuff, this is just private communication. She said, would it be possible for you to help read these emails, figure Mm -hmm. out what he's trying to say, and then work with me to craft my response back? So we're helping her ghostwrite her responses and insulating her 
from that spicy nature in that tension between them. And she gets to relax knowing that she's not alone in this, that she doesn't have to ask her new boyfriend to help her with this, which maybe feels a little inappropriate, but that we are there on her team so that when she sees, oh man, this is a nasty email, she can send it to us to be like, what did you extract from this? And because we're removed emotionally, we can look at it with a more objective view. Oh, And then help her. She's like, I am totally wanting someone who can be like, all right, hey, you're being sassy in response. Let's make this a little more professional. And so I really love that we're now brought into it's it's it can even be weird and nuanced like that. The things that that's amazing. I mean, that is so amazing. I mean, obviously, you know, the kind of work I do. And I mean, I spend so much time vetting emails and helping people communicate and obviously paying me to do that is absurdly expensive do you know what i mean and that is so awesome i mean i'm actually in the process of developing a course around this to help people be able to kind of respond to these in a way because there's so much lessons to be learned in that but that is i'm thrilled you're doing that i mean and you and i should talk about that offline sometime because Oh my gosh, I could probably fill your plate like yeah. with all the clients in the world to yeah. get to have a service like that. It's yeah. what is so needed that I love that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> that and that's where you need that. to keep coming back to, does this need to be me? Does this require my direct attention? And that's the question we need to keep asking ourselves with everything that we do is, especially when we're feeling close to being at capacity is, you know, like, does this really require my energy right. or can my energy be invested in something else more meaningful? And in her case, she would rather work with her clients and be present with her children than spend hours and hours and hours worrying over an email, you know? So it's really, really cool to see all the ways. That's why when people ask me like, so, so what do you do for people? I'm like, like, what's the most common task you do? I'm like, ah, like it's hard to say, like research and appointment setting, but like even within that. It's such a broad range of services. And what's reasonable for one person to delegate is entirely unreasonable to the next. Well, right. I mean, I can't even win. And I know people have asked me all the time, what does Sandra do? (laughs) Like, you don't even want to know all the answers, you know, of what she has done. I'm like, it is wildly divergent. But that's the beauty of it, too, because I think if you have somebody like you, I think of just you right here as my partner. And if anything pops in my head, I'm like, well, let me go to Sandra first. And I mean, and there's always some response back where whether this uh, absolutely, at least we got this or here's these other things that might be a better fit. And I'm like, cool. I didn't even know that existed. Um, Yeah. And it's, um, you know, one really great thing about the way that our dynamic is, is I know that we're kind of the pseudo member of your team, but we are separate. Right. And so you're not actually responsible for managing us, um, that we are our own entity and you don't have to worry about, uh, giving us benefits. You don't have to worry about paying taxes. We are, a you can expense us as a, as a contractor, talk to your CPA, but you know, that's there's this really different dynamic and what's beautiful about that is i know that you have other assistants within your business but when the time comes for there to be something that falls deeply in the realm of the personal 
you can know that there's that that barrier that like I'm not technically part of your company, right? right. And that you can also send these things. So if so, you know, people bring us in for professional services all the, all the time, but we're also there for the deeply personal because it's all intertwined and it's all interconnected. Completely. And the dynamic is established in a way where look, so long as what you're sending us is safe, legal, and ethical. We will make sure that you have the resources that you need to be able to move forward with whatever that is. And, and so, I love when you send me those emails. You're like, Elise, can I really deliver wine to this child? And I'm like, oh, good point. Yeah, like, yeah, that one. Like, Only a 24 year old can you do that? Because <laughs> I love them so. I mean, I mean it's kidding. it's a shame that usually what comes up as illegal is like <laughs> so not sexy. It's like not <laughs> the coolest thing. It's like. Right. You know, boring breaches of contract. Yeah. Like, I would love to deliver a minor alcohol. Unfortunately, the law does not allow that. Um, I love that. You do great with that. This has been so fun. I'm so glad you were able to join me today because I just I want I want delegation to become just part of the vernacular conversation that we women are having lawyers, moms, entrepreneurs, where we are coming up with more creative ways to delegate all the time, because I think all of our lives benefit from it. And I mean, you have just I can't tell you how much you've benefited mine. And so, well, and I, the same to you. It's a very mutually beneficial relationship. So I'm yeah, very grateful well, for that. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, and I hope you enjoy your holiday this week, though. We're, you oh, know, all you. safe and sound. Yeah. But um, do enjoy your Thanksgiving. You as well. Thank you. Elise. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, you too. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.